Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. I am thrilled to be joined once again by, I want to just say it, it's the, it's the resident Anglican priest of the pod, the good and right reverend, Mr. Hayden Butler. Hayden, welcome back to the podcast. Wow, that's an honor. That's an honor for, on, on all those levels. We have an official <laughs> Anglican priest of the pod, Happy and to be you here. are the man himself. Yeah. Um, Hayden, for this, for this conversation, uh, we want to kind of extend the conversation we had some time ago about the Christian sense of time. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that in part because of where we find ourselves even when we're recording this, which is coming up very soon right. on Holy Week. Right. Uh, and, and thinking about Christian sense of time and culture, I got a lot of really good and encouraging feedback from that podcast. Good. Uh, now, I think in part, awesome. everyone felt really guilty by everything you said, because <laughs> oh, no. they knew it was true, right? Um, like, people were quoting me, like, the line where you said, like, we don't have time not to pray, mm. right? Like, things yeah. that we know in our core, like, as Christians, like, of course, our lives should be oriented, our time should be oriented around around the Lord, around prayer, and around divine interruption mm-hmm. as the course of how we go through a day, right? right? Like, just some of those things that you had said really hit home with people, um, when when we move to moments of the year in which the church calendar is alive for every Christian mm-hmm. on some level, right? Easter, right? Even right. if we're just Christmas Easter Christians. That's the day. Hey, that's one of the two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking about Holy Week, I mean, Holy Week is sort of the the high point of the church calendar in this way. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and yet even still, as an Anglican priest, you think about reflect. I would I would say you're you're busier on Holy Week than I would normally. Oh be, yeah, right, very much so, <laughs> quite a bit. So even if, for example, we have a Good Friday service, mm-hmm. um, even if we have the the normal, you know, obviously we're going to have the Easter morning service. Uh, even if I would do a Thursday night, a Monday Thursday kind of service, mm-hmm. just because that's when I usually would teach the Bible study. Um, it's still not as busy as you are, mm-hmm. uh, right? There's there's still uh, just so much intention and focus and and sort of just thought uh, that goes into the Anglican tradition around much of the church calendar, mm-hmm. uh, all of the church calendar, but especially when it comes to Holy Week. So I thought, who better to talk a little bit more about about these ideas about how, as a Christian, our sense of time itself should be organized. Hmm. differently than our consumer culture. Um, so I know it resonates with people, but but when they think of Holy Week, they probably think of kind of like I said, well, that's the thing we all do, right? I mean, that's right. the thing. I mean, even even many Catholics who are not like very interested in going to Mass that I know are, are happy to get the ashes. Right. They're happy to, you know, give up chocolate or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost like yeah. fun to participate, right? Part of the mm-hmm. thing about a holiday is it's a community potentially yeah. a community shared experience and kind of reminds you of things. And, and so even, even people who are not maybe very religious in their, in their, in their observance of <laughs> their faith, um, is still Holy Week and this time right. of the year, surely they're going to be, uh, cued into that. Um, but how, how would you get us to focus a little more maybe deeply on sure. how we would approach or how you approach Holy Week? 
Oh, it's great. Um, it, it's what you're right to say. I think that, that it's one of those weeks where people kind of get it right. I think Lent is a little bit like that too. Um, even folks who are, who, who are only have a kind of cursory interaction with the traditions of the church and the history of the church. When you say Lent, it's like, ah, that season where, you know, you give something up and the ashes and the sometimes Mardi Gras and those kind of <laughs> things. And, um, you know, and, and, and there's, there's a kind of, there's a cultural imprint that Lent and its crescendo and Holy Week, I think, makes on the culture that I'm not sure any other season or holiday of the Christian year makes. Um, I'm encouraged by that right. because I think it, it bears witness to the kind of objective um, weight and gravity of the week. Um, so I, I think, you know, we, 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 as we enter into it, there's a couple of things I think help us to understand its importance um, in the life of a Christian. Um, one is it, it's all oriented around Easter. Uh, Easter is the day. That's the highest Christian holiday, full stop. Mm. Um, the reason for that is because the resurrection of Jesus is what the entire Christian faith hinges on. St. Paul himself says that, right? He says, if Jesus is not raised, then the dead cannot be raised. And if the dead are not raised, then we are without hope. And in fact, we've given ourselves to something uh, and are wasting our lives <laughs> away in the pursuit of it. And if most we, to be pitied. And we're most to be pitied of all yeah. people. We have believed a disastrous lie. But if Jesus is raised, then the dead are raised. And if that, mean, if that is true, everything changes. And if it is not true, nothing changes. And so Easter is that day. It's the day when that, that is the anchor point of the whole Christian faith. And so you can look at the whole Christian calendar as really responding to or elaborating on that. Christians from the earliest times, that, that was the holiday. And all the other holidays really took their lead from their relationship, their orientation to the day of resurrection, the day of Easter. Christmas itself. Right. Christmas. I mean, Christmas became important because right. it was, well, for a savior to come and die and rise again. Now that we know he's got to be born. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's got to be born. <laughs> now the, that we know the, we have a resurrected Lord. Right. What happened when he was born? Exactly. <laughs> let's, let's, let's back up every yeah, right. detail of the life of this savior becomes critically important and sacred. Hmm. And so it, 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 it makes holy all the days of note in the life of that person, of, that, of, that, of the God-man. So we just, you know, on Thursday, actually, we just celebrated the feast of the, uh, or the solemnity of the, the Annunciation. And so even the moment when the incarnation comes, comes into being, when it's the moment about. when Jesus is conceived, <laughs> right? The moment the Holy Spirit right. moves in the Virgin Mary, right. conceives Christ within her, like that's like let's let's throw a party because that that's that's a great thing. Let's <laughs> yeah. have a festival because why not? Yeah. I mean, because because yeah. his life, the life of the one who would redeem us, begins. You know, right. begins on that day. It's so interesting that you say that. I mean, it's so obvious as soon as you say it. But you know, especially in the West, with the conventionality, mm -hmm. even if we've moved away from it to the generic BCE CE thing, sure. the fact that the the resurrection really is the point at which everything forward and everything backward in all of time then gets reoriented. That's right. Right. That the calendar itself, everything, including as you say, not not only the birth and the conception of Christ, becomes the 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 pivot or the way of thinking backward about time. Right. Right. That, that time gets elaborated in reverse from the birth of the one that Easter showed us was Lord, right? Right, that Easter right. has to be, in some ways, the first moment yeah. for us to know 
to do that. But the fact that the world in that sense responded and, and organized both the right. past and the future <laughs> right. around, and around the, the know, resurrection. Even in the life, even in the life of those who were closest to Jesus, right? right? Because, you know, mm. at, before the resurrected Lord comes to them, um, this, all the pieces that he had carefully laid in place in his, in with, as they walked with him, they still remain pieces in place. But as soon as the resurrected Lord comes and is manifested to them, everything clicks, right? right. I, you know, we just read this right. morning the, the account of the disciples walking to Emmaus. Right. And it's, it's like, well, there's all the scriptures and the prophets and Moses and all the things Jesus taught and said. And then all of a sudden the resurrected Lord sidles up alongside you on the road and says, let me show you how all these things fit together. And it's like, boom, 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 right. boom. The whole picture comes into play. And he's reminding them, like you said, right? right? So many of those, those scriptures are about mm-hmm. the disciples did not yet understand, right? right? They would not understand until. Right. So I love that you're even giving us their lives as sort of the sort of the small sort yeah. of microcosm of yeah. how the resurrection elaborates backward mm-hmm. how to understand your own life. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Their own experiences don't make sense until they are made uh, in the light of Christ, in the right. light of him breaking bread at, at, at the town of Emmaus, at their home. And then all of a sudden, what, their hearts are strangely warmed. Yeah, and it's, everything like, gets, it's like, did our hearts not like jump within yeah. us, you know, when he spoke and, and, and broke the bread? Yeah. Uh, and that's so interesting, though, that, that, that past and future, even mm-hmm. in someone's understanding of themselves and their own experiences. Um, so then, okay, it is so important. As you said, there's still lots of cultural sort of residue, right? right. Um, we could say Christ haunting yeah. with Miss Flannery. <laughs> He's definitely um, haunting. I mean, it's definitely still around. Mm-hmm. And and you also said, you know, and we'll, we'll take it when someone's sort of like excited about things that maybe they sure. don't even attend church regularly, but they kind of like, oh yeah, that's a thing we do. And we have mm-hmm. sort of uh, maybe some conventions and family <laughs> things that we kind of associate with it. But how, how do we go from maybe seeing it as as just another iteration of a yeah. day of remembrance, right? Like, you know, the Christian calendar is going to come around, it's going to the same way next That's year, right. and the same way next year. And in some sense, you know, it can feel like a metronome in the dull sense of, yeah. okay, but, you know, life is, is different in each of these moments. And so, yes, it's good to, obviously, it's fun, and it's a holiday and everything, but, but, it, it's on repeat, and right. so and my life is not on repeat. And and you and I talked when we talked about time. We talked about how sort of people are so drawn to have the beginning of a new calendar year, like a, just a, a number change, desperate for anything, right. just a number change <laughs> right. to mean something about this will not be a repeat, mm-hmm. right? And so lead us into how even though the church calendar, or maybe because the church calendar is on such a steady, <laughs> predictable, yeah. right? Um, repetition uh, or rehearsal of, of the life of Christ, of the mm-hmm. events of the world uh, seen through him, um, the life of the church. Like, how, how does that actually free us up for possibility rather than sort of maybe the, the low church version, you know, the world that I come from, the world you grew up in, mm-hmm. um, would say, you know, it's a little, it's a little too sort of uh, set, Right. right, sometimes, and we want a little right. room uh, to not have sort of the calendar on its metronome just sort of dictate where all our thoughts should continually go on certain days or whatever. Oh, um, how, so, how would you, you know, kind of play with that sort of sameness or mm. steadiness or or potentially um, sort of stiff repetitionness yeah. um, as someone who finds in that uh, the almost exact opposite? 
No, I think it's a fantastic question because because you know you don't want it to be you you don't want to stray away from the the you want to move away from the interpretation that these are this is a rote repetition, right? This is the kind of um, you know oftentimes you know legitimate critique of ritual of of a kind of cal- a calendar um, of a set liturgy of formality of kind of scripting. It's like well, if you say the same thing again and again, is that going to make it less meaningful? Is that going to make it a kind of just exercise that you go through? And I I definitely don't think so. Um, so I think a couple of things that help us here. One is to return to the scriptures, and to understand what the how the scriptures understand. Um, these, this kind of thing, this species of thing, right? So, um, you know, we're, we're reading through in our morning prayer lessons the uh, the Exodus right now, and this morning we just read about the Exodus from Egypt, and um, the Lord says to the people of Israel, this will be the beginning of time for you. This will be mm-hmm. the beginning of months. This will be the beginning of weeks, the beginning of the year, um, and this will be how time is inaugurated for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes this pivotal thing, the Passover, the thing that, you know, the, the, the night they are brought out of Egypt, the night they walk through the Red Sea on dry land and emerge and, you know, as they are on their way to the promised land, this becomes the, the instituting event of their entire year. Right, that's how they enter into the new year through the, through a remembrance of this. Now, it's important. That we, I think we also come back to what the the language the Bible uses for itself for this kind of activity. The verb it uses is rem, is remembrance. It's to remember. But for us, we have to kind of course correct mm. because as modern people, we think by remembering, I'm going to access. Uh, memory, which is a kind of picture or artifact of an event, and I'm going to kind of play it before my mind's little sort of you know um, screen projector here, and then I'm going to remember it. That's what it means. That's that's a a much more a very watered down version of what the Bible means by remembrance. You know, the verb that the the New Testament uses is that anamnesis, right? Mm -hmm. That um, that uh, I'm going to it basically makes present again Mm. the thing, and so you know, in it became a kind of common proverb in. In, in sort of Jewish culture, right, that he is no Israelite who has not set foot on the Red Sea, on the bottom, on the floor of the Red mm. Sea. And, you know, when you're eight generations removed from that and that saying <laughs> still coming down, it's like, well, how am I going to go set foot on the Red Sea? You know, it's like, but the Passover observance being a remembrance, a making present again of the thing that happened allows even an eighth generation removed person to set foot on the Red Sea mm. by observing the thing the Lord instituted. So, um, if we and and this is the same word that gets brought in when Jesus, for example, institutes the Lord's Supper. Mm. Do this in remembrance of me. Isn't just think kind of piously back to me, but uh, but I am present again in this moment, in this this sort of context mm. with you in this thing. And so this 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 idea kind of beefs up properly mm-hmm. our idea of remembrance, right? So when we remember again Easter Sunday. When we remember again Good Friday, Maundy Thursday, Palm Sunday, um, by do it by by entering the story the scriptures present to us, we are made present to it as it is made present to us. And so as we go through that, we're not just looking kind of in a passive way on a past event. We're look we're actively entering into and being obligated by and 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 drawn into and sort of made open and vulnerable to 
the thing that is now made present to us. Hmm. And so we are walking with Jesus into the city, waving palm branches, and we're standing at the foot of the cross. Well, and isn't that what it means to read the Bible, right? Right, The Bible is not a continually um, added to document Mm -hmm. for freshness and newness. And I've never heard of that beforeness, right? Like every (laughs) year, uh, you know, our church, many people in our church do the, you know, read the Bible in a year app or whatever, whatever guided reading thing. And yeah, I don't get to be like, Oh, I I heard of the Gospel of John before. Like I remember, heard this it. Was, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it is interesting that like as a pastor, yeah. I'm always like, you got to read your scripture, got to read your scripture, and yet, right? The as you said, sort of the very sort of thin and maybe very cynical uh, person in the moment of of sort of pushing back against that would be like. I've read the Bible before, right? right? Like, I don't need to keep rereading the Bible. Right, I've I'm like, done oh, no, this. no, no, no. But in that is mm-hmm. life, right? Um, that it, finding Christ in the Word, like that's that's the life that forms your soul. And and of course, you've read it before, but there's always going to be more to see, and you go right. deeper in, right? It's not. It's like you've been introduced to it, right? And so right. in the eighth generation says now you have eight generations who have who have been living in that place together mm-hmm. as an elaborating community, right? Or right. a church that is experiencing uh, difficult, maybe uh, uh, the pandemic together, but in passages that maybe before we even thought a pandemic would ever happen, we experienced differently, and it's, it's like, just adding to wow. I look at things differently possibilities, now, yeah. right? But with the same scripture passages, mm-hmm. with the same, uh, with the same readings, with the right. same texts, with the same. So, so you know, as the as the sort of radical Protestant in the room, um, you know, in the sense of like Bible, 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 yep. right? Um, the the very idea is that you could e- as easily dismiss that as a rote rehearsal of things right. we already have heard before. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so pushing back against that is 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 helpful because I, I already see the ways in which uh, high or low um, mm-hmm. Christians feel sort of, of course, you know, you're going to be in yeah. the Word. You're gonna you're gonna need to go after the Scripture, and and of course, it's going to be inexhaustible. Right? That's right. So then that yeah. the this kind of revivifying, as you say, not just sort of recalling. Right. Um, uh, but this revivifying of of the events of the life of Christ, mm-hmm. and, and if we're returning to sort of the Holy Week um, remembrance, yeah. Um, to to resist that on some level um, might strangely presume that you you get the bottom of all of that meaning right. as though there is a, a floor or a ceiling to the life of God. Right. Right. And obviously, you know, for the thimbles that are being poured into there, <laughs> right there, there, we are not the measure of oh, the no. floor or ceiling, right. Of the life of God. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I can, I can see how that sort of, it would almost be, you would get excited each new year mm-hmm. to return to the familiar places in in the life of Christ and in the scriptures yeah. because you would realize a, a year things have happened and there's a pretty good chance I will see differently and more and other than I may have seen up to last year That's right? right that that the ninth generation may experience this even more you know deeply because we have right. nine generations of experiencing this um, so Okay, I could get I could get excited about that. I could get down with that. Um, if we if we talk about Holy Week itself, yeah, why? I mean, w- resurrection. I mean, of course, it's everything, as you say. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians fifteen. Without this, 
Christianity shouldn't exist. If it does, it's embarrassing. And what a waste and how sad that so many of us, <laughs> right. especially in the first century, are going to die for it. Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, it has consequences beyond being just embarrassed. It's like it's a, it's a deeper form of embarrassment, right? A wasted life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, the resurrection is the fulcrum. But why the focus on the lead up to yeah. that moment? Why, why does it culminate there um, instead of maybe just begin there? Right. Why? Why not? Um, why not kind of not rush to it, but why not put a little more, uh, give a little more days to the resurrection and a little less to like this sort of slowed down approach? Like why, why do, let's say the gospel writers, especially I'm thinking of John, because as a church, that's where we have been on Sunday mornings, um, chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, and John being the the final apostle to write his gospel, seeing sort of maybe decades of the life of the church. Spend so much time there. So much time, and also seeing maybe what people weren't doing well in their lives for decades as the Christian church had formed, and having this vantage point of where ought I place the emphasis of things mm-hmm. when I add this fourth gospel, which is not just a rehearsal of what right. Matthew and Mark and Luke have said, right? And so what an astonishing thing that he himself is the one that slows down sort of that approach mm-hmm. to the cross in a way that um, is is impossible to ignore. You forget that like when you read something in John 13, like you're basically a, a, like a week, right. you know, into, you're, you're like in a week out time. from resurrection. That yeah. time slows down so dramatically even in John gospel so why that emphasis why why would would that maybe be something that Hmm. the apostle himself saw as a fundamental slowing down into preparation for Um, because by the time he writes that gospel people already know the story of the story the resurrection right Right. that's already been said it's already been believed haven't we been there decades haven't we already heard that add something new john surely not Yeah. No, I, I think I think John is a great example of this because John couches really his whole gospel in in the um, understanding of the creation, right? He begin John one begins in the beginning, which is just you, you can't say that without invoking well, more Genesis. Time the yeah, in the exactly. <laughs> you can't say that without going without the other book that yeah. is, begins in the beginning, right? right? And so you have, um, you know, John really is 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 interpreting the gospel. He's, he's not interpreting. He's 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 telling the story of the gospel in light of the story of creation, in light of the story of Genesis. That he who was in the beginning, who is from the beginning, came among us, and we saw him, we heard him, we touched him, um, and. That's really where I think the focus on Holy Week really, really comes into play as a as a as understanding it in its fullness. Um, Holy Week is a week, and as we talked about in our last podcast on time, one of the main paradigms for how the scriptures understand time is in the cycle of the week. Um, creation happens in a seven day cycle, um, and when Holy Week comes on, when the Gospels narrate Holy Week, it is a week. Um, Jesus enters on the first day of the week, mm-hmm. on the first day to begin his work. To begin the work of that week, he enters on Palm Sunday, and then he, you know, he goes straight to the, he comes in, you know, being hailed as the one who comes to save, and then he goes straight to the temple, and and that's the first work of the week, is to overturn the tables of the money changers and to, and to purify the temple, right. and to and mark it for its failure to be what it, what God instituted it to be. Then as the week goes on, you see this, this the seven-day cycle progress that culminates in the day of preparation for the pat for the for the um, for the Sabbath, which is Friday, 
Um, and at the crest of that Friday, that day of where work is reaching its crescendo for the week in the Jewish life, uh, Jesus says it is accomplished. The work is done. He declares the Sabbath at that point. The work is over. Mm. And now he, and then he gives up his spirit and he, and he, and he, and he goes and he dies. He enters into his own Sabbath rest on Holy Saturday where he has accomplished the work of the week and it now it takes it takes his rest on the seventh day. And then in that rest, all those who had rested in death before him are gathered to him. And then on the first day of the new week, which is Easter Sunday, he rises again to the work of the new creation, right? Which perfects the thing that he just accomplished and points to where it was all, what it was all pointed to, and then begins the new creation. That's why Paul can say, you know, like if, you know, this is a, this is new creation, you know, that's why John and revelation, which is like talk about regenesis. Yeah. It's right? a regenesis. Right, right. And so if creation happens in a seven day cycle, the work of redemption that the church, that the scriptures and the church is always seen as new creation, um, that happens in a seven day cycle as well. And so as we, so the Holy week is holy because it is both set apart Right as the week where this this pivotal instituting you know inaugurating work is accomplished, um, but also because like like the way that the Bible always means holy things, it also acts kind of um, vicariously. It sort of is the thing set apart unto the Lord that redeems the rest of time, mm. and so Holy Week. Um, is the week set that 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 institutes time for us as the in the as in the Old Testament the Passover was the beginning of time for the Israelites so Holy Week is the beginning of time for the Christian mm. and so the rest of the year becomes an a sort of elaboration on the beginning of time in this week for us and so every Sunday becomes a commemoration of Easter. Mm. And a really a kind of condensed Holy Week in itself. We come in singing to church, like on Palm Sunday. We celebrate the Lord's Supper, like on Maundy Thursday. We remember and receive again the grace of Christ's atoning sacrifice on Good Friday. And then we experience a kind of new life given to us as a community where we're remade and sent back out into the world in a kind of mm. Pentecost again. Mm. So every Sunday is a kind of condensed Holy Week, but Holy Week elaborates and institutes all the meaningfulness of every Sunday after that. It's so lovely. Because uh, as you said, you know, even just about Genesis, right? It, the point of Genesis, the week of creation, is not the twenty-four hour dayness of it. Right. It's to set it as the rhythm of your life. Right. Right. That it's not interested in some of those kinds of debates that we are very much interested in as far as when or how or whatever. It, it's that hmm. and for what purpose. And it becomes sort of the the rhythmic regulation of your life as the as the created beings you are, um, so that you have that that rhythm of work and rest, right. that you have that rhythm of beginning <laughs> beginning things um, from that place of acknowledging God's work is what makes mm -hmm. your your life possible. Um, but yeah, just even the fact that all of Scripture from Genesis and then to the Exodus moment. Um, continues to represent God as, or, or God representing to his people rhythms and ways for them to ritualize their life, right? right? In a way yeah. that is not, that doesn't have any, uh, you know, negative connotation, right. but has a steadying, 
um, you know, revivifying, mm-hmm. um, recalling to, deepening in right. the things that you've heard, right? To teach is to reteach, right? right. Uh, or even Plato, remembering is what education ah. is, the soul remembering what it forgot, you know, when it came into this world <laughs> or whatever. So even if we don't want to go pure Greek, we could still say there's something very much to that, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, to bring it back, bring it down into, you know, you know, you know to uh, move away from the esoteric even, like even in the practical sense, we treat everything else this way hmm. you know um you know we, we sometimes you know like going back to the kind of the modern idea of the calendar we're just adding years that means we're advancing what we're advancing to i don't know what we're advancing from i'm not quite sure either but we're adding numbers guys but so numbers let's, let's are keep doing moving. something but the scriptures always mark progress in terms of return hmm. maturity is is you know you know in like pauline literature like the pauline epistles is is it's one in the same with maturity is one in the same with, you know, standing fast, mm. right? Don't stray far from right. the thing, right. you know, uh, come back to that thing. And so, and, but we know this, right? Mm. All of us know this because, you know, every year we celebrate a birthday, you know, say, we celebrate anniversaries. You we can't ce- be like, I already went to a wedding once. Right. You know, <laughs> I already celebrated my birthday once when I was a kid. It was great. And I'm, I'm past that now. Or try selling that to your spouse where you say, you know, like, honey, we've already celebrated our anniversary. I feel like we've done we that. had that. We before. had that. Let's move on. <laughs> and it's just that, like, that won't fly, no, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. But we, well, and we it know takes the away the things we look forward to, right? right. And that is the thing that is beautiful about the regularity is mm-hmm. that's precisely what people look forward to. They look forward to right. Christmas. They look forward to the birthday. They look yeah. forward to, they look forward to remembering. Mm-hmm. They look forward to having this thing that carves time out differently mm-hmm. than what time is normally shaped by which as we talked about before is the the sort of helter skelter pell-mell craziness of the consumer calendar right of the productivity calendar of the i need to be promoted to justify my meaningfulness and as a person right. calendar right so that it is it we we long for um the the holiday returns right we, right. we really do i mean it's like in in our culture even though there's only some left they are they are still desperately longed for right you could feel it especially last year um the ache for people to get to christmas in the middle of the pandemic was overwhelming like i remember hearing you know it come from just you know my students from any it was just like i can't wait for christmas i don't care about the whole joke about christmas music starting too soon there's no too soon i need it yeah it's not (laughs) just i'm looking forward to it it's like i I need it sharp hunger there was for christmas Mm -hmm. for for something to look forward to for something to hold on to anticipate prepare for share it it does all of that work even just generically culturally Mm -hmm. in those spaces because that hunger for a meaningfulness i do not have to continue to invent right um, is being offered to us and that this is christ the lord of time and that to remember in this way is just an invitation to meaningfulness I do not have to invent. That's right. And as you get older, you can feel it even, it's even more exhausting to think of mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like I can't, it can't depend on me to make this meaningful, to make this oh. profound, to make the next year. Like, I think people start to tap out of that a little bit and say, you know what, that's, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. Take me to the beginning of Holy Week because the beginning of Holy Week, as you said, is flipping tables. So maybe right. one way to get back to Holy Week <laughs> yeah. is uh, is to, just to confront directly the fact that we live according to a consumer calendar That's of right. productivity. And all the things we talked about in that last podcast, Jesus starts with saying, you have co-opted right. my space, Take my, my house temple, of prayer. the house of prayer, mm-hmm. 
with your busyness and your, you know, your nickel and diming, your mm -hmm. quantitative, you know, vision of all reality. That's right. Um, and we will not move forward until this is overturned. Right. Because these are competing realities and competing versions of time. So if we were to if we were to kind of try to um, part two uh, that conversation we had about time, saying okay with Holy Week that's what Jesus more or less confronts first. That's right. So that there's I mean, been a thief. That's right. There's been something. Something has gone wrong. Um, it, it really is a collision of two things. Um, in our in our tradition, we have we usually on every Sunday we'll read a, a, a reading from an, an epistle from the New Testament, and then we'll read a selection from the Gospel. Palm Sunday is a little bit unique uh, for us in that we read two gospel lessons on uh, on that day. The first one is the um, the recounting of the triumphal entry of people waving palm branches, and you know we we kind of we we, we do that as a as a congregation. We like like sort of take up palm branches and we like do a kind of like walk around our church and then walk into church together mm -hmm. and sit down together as the beginning of our service. And it, and it's the Hosanna. Well, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a great cry of welcome and he's like, come and save us now. That's mm -hmm. what we're crying out when we're doing that. This is the one who will come save us. And we think we know what we mean by that. We think, and in the in the scriptures, in the gospels, what the people waving palm branches thought they meant was, Jesus is here to kick out the Romans, to kick out all the corrupt leaders that we've had to suffer under, and to finally, you know, set things in order here and get get the thing back to what you know to fix the problems. And the first thing he does is he walks straight to the temple and he purges it, purifies it. Now. There's something for us in that. <laughs> Holy Week begins with a collision of what we think we mean when we say, Jesus, help me, mm -hmm. and what Jesus knows needs to happen to come and help us. Mm -hmm. And so what we think is, hey, I got this ache over here on my pinky finger. Mm -hmm. I'd really like it if you'd fix that for me. And he's like, hey, um, you actually have a defect in the middle of your heart that if left uncorrected will kill every part of you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go there right now. Mm -hmm. You're like, whoa, like, that's that's a different thing. The second gospel lesson uh, that we read on on Palm Sunday is the passion narrative. And we break it up in such a way where the congregation participates in reading it and they participate in reading all the parts you don't want to read crucify like him. saying crucify <laughs> him. Yeah. So right, what it does right. is it condenses for us hmm. how quickly we'll turn on him. Wow. And it highlights for us how quickly when we're not given the version of salvation we call out for, we'll say next Next guy, please. And we'll say, get rid of this one. Get rid of this guy. We'll turn our back and betray and crucify the Messiah in the same morning. And so it's a reminder that that's, that's what we do. And that's, that's our doorway into the week. Right. You start there. And that's the thing. Palm Sunday is so ironically sort of misused or misunderstood so often. Mm -hmm. It is exactly that. It is the, the frailty of our visions of right. hope, right? Like, uh, like in this context, I mean, not to be, can we be too on the nose? I don't even know if it's possible anymore. Um, but like the hope is return to life before the pandemic, yeah. right? Reopen everything, do all the things, mm -hmm. get this mask off my face. Let's go back to schools. Let's do what all the things, right? Right. And that, that is like, that's our Jesus come save us. Right. Yep. And, and yet the work that he's been up to and mm -hmm. continues to seem to be up to is first and foremost to purge the church, right? Right, and you know we have to be able to acknowledge that that there there happens in the Christian heart the same thing that that immediate sort of flip 
to help us help us. And what we mean by that is change the world around me so that I live at more ease in it. Um, and Jesus is, is, is refusing to, to be directed that way. Um, giving us all sorts of signs, donkeys instead of horses, war horses, right? Right. Um, to say, uh, we might have a very different vision of what helping you means, as you said. Right. Uh, in this moment, the idea that, you know, so many uh, Christians have been like, you know, what we really need is Jesus to change the country. Change change the pandemic, change the country, change the mm-hmm. politics, change the division, change, change all the things right. that are sort of blatantly awkward or uncomfortable or in which my team is losing or whatever. Um, and first and foremost, he has to purge the church. Right. He has to cleanse the Christian world. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, it gets even more sort of incisive. Go for it. Because, you know, I, you know, I, you know, in the church world in that I, you know, that I occupy is, is you have this kind of sort of phenomenon that's come about in the last season called the the rad trad, which the rad is the, trad, the, the yeah. ra- radical it's a traditionalist. Place. Yeah, that's and um, and it's it's like the church is not church enough, right? And it's and it's purporting Ooh. to do that thing. Yeah, but uh, but I mean the the salvation that Jesus shows us he comes to bring on Palm Sunday um, makes clear that no matter what who you are on whatever side of whatever issue in whatever institution, he's going to start with you. And he's not going to start in the parts of you that you've boxed off as the things you know you need to work on. He's going to move past even that to the the spot where you are most afraid that he is going to go. And that's the thing where Holy Week begins. Mm. It strips us of, Palm Sunday strips us of our delusions of grandeur, to borrow a great phrase from Star Wars. Uh, It strips us of our, our, the thought that we only need some polish, right? We've gotten a little rusty over the last year. Time to just kind of, you know, work out some of the kinks. It's like, we no, need to it's recall like we need to, some of the nice things yeah, that like, Jesus did. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm going to come and remake you. Right. And that might mean a, a, a very different kind of thing. That might mean life looks very different on the other side of it. And what it does is it exposes us in a kind of vulnerability um, to, to, a, to a real healing treatment but like any of us has experienced, I think at the doctor's office or in my case, like what I experienced most, like when I'm at the dentist, you know, you're sitting there, you're like, I have an idea of like what this is going to feel like. And then you're like, oh boy, oh, I remember like, like, and then, and, and I remember getting like, like a COVID test, for example. And like, I think like, sure, swab in the nose, no problem. I got to, I got to, I can imagine that very clearly Then I'm like, oh wow, that's really going up in my nose. Oh wow. That's really, oh wow. I didn't even, eyeball. I didn't even, that's, yeah. It's like, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's coming out my ear now. And, 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 and it's like. Like that, that kind of feeling where all of a sudden you're gripping the armrests of the chair and you're like, wow, that was way more than I thought it was going to be. That's a little bit like what, what real salvation feels like. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Because <laughs> I, I having gotten uh, one of those tests before, I could, yeah. I could feel your progression as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it is. It really is like this is past the point at which I'm comfortable. Right. And in the case I'm arrived to do a drive through so I had to do it myself right. while a lady was looking oh, at me goodness. through glass. Yeah. And so I couldn't like back off. I had yeah. to be like, <laughs> and she's like counting 15 <laughs> seconds, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and it felt like, why am I doing this to myself? Right. Which in some sense, it's like, you can feel like that. Why did I bring myself to church to be challenged in this right. way? What's so amazing about, about, about what you said about the beginning of Holy Week is, is like you said, where he is. We often cast ourselves in the role of sort of like the almost 
their disciple, right. you know, in the story. But typically we are, you know, Israel, the uh, presumptive people of God, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even sort of the, the regular temple goers, yeah. maybe even the leaders there um, who are like, this is inappropriate. This is too far. This is, this is, this is ruining things. This doesn't look stable. This doesn't look, right. <laughs> this doesn't look like something that, um, that people, like you said, who, who would feel normally, we might need a little polish from time to time. Um, but we don't need an entirely reconstructed space. We don't right. need everything, including our vision or understanding of how we move through time completely turned over. Right. Um, and yet part of the rehearsal um, is of course you do mm-hmm. that every generation needs to start with that exodus every generation needs their feet to hit the bottom of the the, right. the floor of the red sea um, and that every year um, in the life of the christian uh, needs to start there because as i said when we talked about and, and particularly some of the things you were saying about the the consumer calendar and the drivenness and the busyness of life and how mm-hmm. prayer is the final thing if we can fit it in um, everybody who heard that, who, you know, was trying to walk with the Lord just felt the sting of that because they knew it was true. And yet everything else in their life has, has them stumbling, running, sprinting in the other direction. That's right. And, and so like that, the feel in the heart of all of us who, who heard you say things like you have time for nothing else, yeah. right? You, you don't have time for anything else. You have time for prayer. Like, that's the one thing time's about. Um, that is the the COVID test. That is the yeah. farther than the, you know, it, you hear it and you're like, ah, I know that's true. Right. I don't know how it's possible right. to make it so. Um, and so maybe we could, we could kind of come into the place of the person who is not resisting. Sure. He's like, it, it sounds great, guys. I know it's true. I know it's true. And you know, your pastors and sort of you're officially going to be up to this mm-hmm. and you know, and, and in some sense your, your job is to reflect on this and yeah. articulate this and, and, and to model it and everything like that. But for most of us, right? Like it, it's, not, it's not part of our regularly scheduled reflection to think about time, you know, or to sure. like that this feels still a little out of reach yeah. for the, the, the chaos that my actual, the actual life I have has been, right? So, so if, if we were to meet that person, mm-hmm. which is probably all of our people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and, and important to note, also us, even though I know it can, it can sound like, uh, the people who are talking confidently about something, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, we are as prone to be the leaders in the temple who are oh, yeah. just moving things along, right? Yeah. <laughs> when Let's he shows up, keep things running. We're, uh, hey, this is, yeah. uh, this is how we do our, our, our service this is how we right. do Palm Sunday service. Uh, I can remember, um, I can remember being in London, uh, on Palm Sunday at St. Paul's cathedral, the most, you know, I mean, just wonderful place. I remember the procession. I remember the animals. I mean, they had the donkey. They had they had everything, right? And they had visitors. They had, I mean, it was like, you know, a huge moment. But I also remember it as one of the most frustrating experiences of church I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Because I'm in this, like, audience of thousands watching this pageant of just spectacle of just beautiful and music and everything mm-hmm. that I'd be like, and I was like, this is beautiful. It was genuinely beautiful. And then I remember whoever the presiding speaker was or, or the rector was, um, who stood up to speak, gave a, like a five minute 
non-homily yeah. that did not name the salvation offered in Christ no. that was not about Jesus saving us. It was, it's like you had all these people and I just start slowly. It started to just destroy me that no, nobody gathered there. Even if they were just there as a tourist because of the spectacleness of you got to visit St. Paul's on Palm Sunday. It's a thing. Um, I remember leaving that courtyard and I was with Jess and Jen, uh, Carlucci, my two of my, my best friends. And, and I was being like, everything in me wanted to run up and take the microphone and just read the, go- like just right. shout the gospel just read the because gospel. like, it was like everything was set up and nothing happened. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like there's something in that. I wasn't a pastor at the time. Uh, I was being called in that direction. I don't know. I was youthful and probably very zealous in certain ways, but I'm as likely to be in that person's uh, position now. Right. You and I are as likely to be, you know, we've been thinking about or how is this going to go, you know, days before probably anybody else has had to think about how is it going to go when we get to those days. Right. Yeah. Um, and but I experienced it as the greatest disappointment of a church service I've ever been near. Yeah. And and as you're talking about how Holy Week begins and the irony of that being Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. the everything and then the nothing and like there's something there that I don't want people to feel like this is, this is just on you. Like I, I remember that frustration and then, and then I can feel it myself, the going through the motionsness of even the pastoral sort of duties. Right. Yeah. And, and not, and making sure maybe that this Holy week, right. If we could just really dig in and encourage people and, and encourage or exhort ourselves that, that this Holy week is an extraordinary moment all of the reasons we've been talking about, but also for all the reasons because of the year that we're in. Um, I was talking to one of our colleagues the other day, you know, about how this is or was the year in which so many things could be learned or could have been learned. Yep. It was uniquely an opportunity and many people did not see it as an opportunity. They saw it as despair. They Mm -hmm. saw it as anger. They saw it as the thing to get away from as soon as possible. Right. And as our colleague was talking to me about that, um, I was sort of weighing it myself, like, um, you know, about how I've approached this year, even as a teacher and yeah. sort of how my prayers, you know, early on were trying to center my students on the opportunity of a year like this to, to test right. everything in us that we, we say we're being formed in, to test everything that we say that the, the character and all, all these issues of resilience and failing forward, you know, all the things that are, we really do believe and, and say that we, we stand for. And, and even as our colleague was saying that to me, I started to think of, I think my foot's kind of come off the pedal. I got, yeah. I got, I got used to the rhythm of the year. Uh, you know, you and I have been in person as educators the whole year. So it was even easier to get used to. That's right. I mean, yeah, we're wearing masks, but like there's a lot of similarities yeah. and a lot of things that were not that uncomfortable. Most of the people I talk to at my church, many of them have been remote since last March their lives fundamentally have stayed changed right. in a way that I started to think as our colleague was talking to me about that opportunity that is maybe leaving us. I started to wonder if I've less and less uh, well <laughs> seized it yeah. or, or felt myself in the center of it in the way that our colleague was describing. Um, so if we were to view this Holy Week as a tremendous opportunity, a year of incredible loss, mm-hmm. A year in which death and our fragility, um, in which our animosities um, of one another, our, our divisions in our church, right, 
all the things that we would actually need saved from have have come blindingly to the forefront of of every level of society yeah <sighs> to see holy week as something that can't be nothing that's right it can't be the everything that becomes the nothing um it's not you know i don't know we don't get more donkeys right like, we don't get bigger branches right what could we do yeah to maybe prepare uh this is probably going to be this is probably going to go up on Palm Sunday. This is probably going to go up yeah. <laughs> right in time, um, you know, to, to be sort of catch people right in the midst of something. Um, how might you encourage us to yeah. dig in considering a year of tremendous opportunity to see the redemption and the resurrection of a, of a God without whom life is not life? So we're on a journey. We begin on Palm Sunday with all the things we've said of it. Our destination is Easter, Easter Sunday. And Easter always comes as a gift. No matter how good or, or poorly we observe Holy Week and Lent and the rest of the year, Easter is not a reward. It's a gift. So it's coming. Mm. It will be there for us as an, as a concrete, as an objective gift of grace. So how do we make the journey from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday? The, the week sort of is narrated in two halves and then I'll get into practical things in the narrative, the story, we move from Palm Sunday into the first, you know, into Holy Monday and Holy Tuesday, which really are a kind it were traditionally the the other gospel accounts are read. Um, so um, you read you, between Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, um, it'd be good to go and remind yourself what happened. Um, those days are, and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts of the triumphal entry, the passion, and the crucifixion. That's a great way to start the week. Wednesday is where things start to change narratively. Wednesday is the day that begins Lent. Uh, it's Ash Wednesday where we all get reminded we're going to die and to set our affairs in order for that. It leads up to this Holy Wednesday, which is sometimes called Spy Wednesday. And the gospel that's historically read on that day is the story of um, Mary anointing Jesus's feet with the perfume and Judas Iscariot giving her a hard time for it. Um, and this sort of is, it, it re resumes that theme from Palm Sunday and reminds us of this dichotomy, right? That, you know, we want to be the disciple that welcomes Jesus as he comes to meet us. And we also know that we're the ones that'll turn on him. And Wednesday brings us back to that as a way of getting into of the sec entering into the second half of the week. We are called to be Mary who anoints the Lord and sees really what he's going to do in a way that no one else sees. Mm. And so he enshrines her in all the four, all four gospels because of it. He says, no matter where the gospel is preached, this will be remembered because of it. She has an everlasting memory because she sees what he's doing when even his 12 don't. Then you have Judas who pretends to be a disciple and is already poised to betray the master. 
And so we go into the the, the triduum, the, the three days uh, of the rest of Holy Week with that in our minds, that in our hearts. And it's really a, a kind of summation of everything we are called to learn in Lent, right? This is what it comes down to. And then from there, our job in Holy Week is mainly to watch Jesus um, and watch. And so on Maundy Thursday, uh, we are reminded again of the giving of the Lord's Supper, the institution of the of the of of communion. And Jesus gives us the great command, which is what Mondi really means, the command Thursday, where he says, love one another as I have loved you. So you ought to love one another. Um, By this, the world will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we have no idea what he means by that, because he calls us to love as he loves us. And then Good Friday comes and he shows us what that means. Mm. And he dies for the life of the world. Um, And so that's how Holy Week you know, crescendos is really on, on good Friday. Um, and then we enter into the rest of, of Holy Saturday where we really should try to do nothing. Um, because you know, we, we have to, we have to kind of sit with good Friday and our temptation will be get busy, you know, pack Easter baskets, do the thing, like get ready for Sunday, like try to anticipate Sunday as much as possible, but really it'd be good just to kind of sit in the, the kind of sorrow of having crucified the son of God on good Friday. That's the story. So in terms of practicalities, um, I already said the first three days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, go read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of the, of the passion of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. That'd be a great way to enter into the story. Uh, Thursday, um, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, um, try to be with, you know, try and be as much as you can be present with your church. Um, whatever they're doing, um, and, and if they're not doing something during that time, I would say, um, you know, like think about them, pray for them, be with your people in the spirit, because that's a real thing. And but but partake in the fellowship. the The goal of the the triduum is to is to be together. To, it draws us together as a people again when we are most inclined to be scattered. Um, and it will feel like it feel it will feel really tempting to want to run away from all of this. So to get really granular. What I recommend to my people is, um, in light of this year, I think going into the first half of Holy Week, um, we have to remember that all of us have said and done things this year that we're ashamed of. Um, The crisis, the health crisis, the political crisis, all of it um, has been more than enough opportunity, I think, to have tempted effectively every person listening to this um, to say or do or think something um, that they're ashamed of. And I guess I would, I would hope that whoever's listening to this and who's listening to my voice to hear me when I say, um, the Lord loves you. And the whole point of this week, if nothing else gets done, but that you find that place that was opened up in pain this last year, And something filled it that fills you with shame. That's where Jesus wants to come and heal you. And so if you will say to him, this is what I have done. Please come and save me there. Um, You'll have kept Holy Week beautifully. And then when Easter comes as a gift, as it always does, for no no matter who you are, Mm. um, we'll be renewed again having met the Lord in the place where we most need salvation 
um, and will receive the grace of resurrection, of regenesis, um, and be made anew, starting there. Starting there. And then as it proceeds to everything else. Yeah, that's the, if you want a first day yeah. of the rest of your life, of the rest that's, of the year, that's, that's the, thing. the day. This um, is the beginning of time for this us. This is the beginning of time. Would you um, close our conversation in a prayer? I sure will. Let us pray together. Jesus, save us. Make us beautiful on the inside. Then make everything else conform to the beauty that you make within us. Help us as we need to be helped, not as we think we need to be helped. Help us to love you, not as we think you are, but as you know yourself to be. Help us so to walk the path of the cross in your footsteps, that finally at the end of all things, we arrive at the kingdom you opened up to us. Trample down death within us and raise us to new life. Amen. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on Newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns, and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon with Love.